got the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Hello everybody, welcome to the Lowdown Western Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller and joining me today is Tom Hoseman from the Western Blog. Tom, happy to be on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Um, and we are continuing our series about The Undertaker's Streak. And in this one, he is facing what I call part one of the trilogy, where he faces uh, Triple H at WrestleMania 17. So, uh, Tom, at the time this took place, which was 2001, where were you as a wrestling fan? Um, I was pretty much into it um, at the height of my sort of second period as a fan. Uh, I guess there's three periods for me. First was um, the rock and wrestling, uh, tail end of the rock and wrestling era into the um, the mid '90s, where um, you know, a big Hulk Hogan fan like Bret Hart. But then we didn't, we lost our cable, and then I couldn't follow it, so I didn't really watch it for like two years. Uh, yeah. Two three years. Then, second period started around um, ninety eight ninety nine. <clears throat> uh, Steve Austin um, and all that other stuff. Um, the height of the Monday Night Wars. I was always a WWF guy. I rarely watched WCW, and if I did, it was because the Westminster Dog Show was on. And um, then around two thousand two two thousand three, I kind of stopped watching for a variety of reasons. I took a break for about seven years until around 2009 I started watching again, and now it's the third, probably the best era, because I actually write a blog about it. Yeah, so. yeah it's good. I mean, it's more the same for me. I mean, I got into it at uh, WrestleMania 8, uh, but we didn't have um, all the WWE stuff was on cable. Well, it still is. It was on cable. Um, never got, kind of got, was in and out of it. Didn't get into it again until just after the Survivor Series 98, but that time we got cable. Uh, but the, um, all the WWE, like all the like the World SmackDown and the pay-per-views on uh, Sky Sports here, and um, pretty much the way it used to be is uh, so. But so my 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 knowledge of WWE at that time was um, you know the news pod and I had like the bottom line that kind of thing that used to be on like the normal entertainment channel. So that's how I kind of kept up with WWE. But more I watched more WCW because night they showed Nitro and Thunder. On cable, but the TV deal with WCW was really weird because they um, they showed Nitro and Thunder, but not the pay per views. Yeah. So I find it weird. Really, you know, I was really getting into this um, pay per view, and like, we look forward to it, and then I never see it. <laughs> yeah, the, well, to be fair, WCW's pay per views oftentimes ended the same way they end Nitro. Yeah, true job. So, so you would only really be missing like longer matches, and. Yeah. Um, but I guess if you were a fan of Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, that you would um, miss out on their best stuff since they didn't get, get the time on, on Nitro. But yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Um, so uh, this is this match is quite interesting for two reasons. Um, one is that it's the first time he Undertaker in the WrestleMania match as the at the Biker gimmick. Um, he debuts that um, the previous year in Judgment Day 2000 when he interferes in the Iron Man match between The Rock and Triple H. 
Another thing was a counter interference, by the way, because um, the DX and, and the um, and the corporation were all up in on uh, Rock's cheesecake. There, yeah, it seems to be like a very overbooked uh, match. What I can remember, um, I remember when when he, when Undertaker did turn up. He looked totally different from what we've been used to. It didn't matter if it actually was Undertaker. I don't know why that's him. And he seemed to be doing a big, kind of being posh, posh around. He has a brief feud with Kane. He's involved in the title. Uh, championship feud with Kurt Angle at the end of the year. And then um, I know he challenges for the Hardcore Championship a few times, which seems really weird for him to do. Um, but this all starts uh, the SmackDown after No Way Out in 2001. Triple H had just defeated Steve Austin in the three days of hell match, and he goes to SmackDown, and both like, I beat everyone, you know, I should be in the main event. And Undertaker goes, well, you've not beaten me, so, you know, that's not true. Um, there's a bit where um, Triple H attacks him, he, where he's always in his chair, so Undertaker, I think it might be SmackDown after that, he's like waiting on the bike, and Liminal arrives, and he attacks that. And he ends up getting arrested. Uh, Triple H uh, asked Ray Weagle, who was the commissioner at the time, to get a restraining order against Stephanie, which seemed like a good idea at the time, but uh, the Kane and Undertaker were on the on again of their relationship and um, circumvents that by getting Kane to go after Stephanie. And Undertaker pretty much coerces Regal to uh, get, make an match between him and Triple H because if he didn't, uh, Kane, who had Stephanie pretty much in the gorilla press position um, over a stairwell, was going to drop her. So I can understand William Weaker's reasons for accepting the match. And they kind of go a bit tit for tat. Um, and also, with this, I didn't raise it at the time, but bits of the feud between Kane and the Big Show kind of merged for a little bit. And I think on the SmackDown beforehand, Triple H attacks uh, to take his bike and pushes it off the SmackDown stage. Which, I guess, at the time was almost like taking his urn and spraying it all over the place. Yeah, pretty much thing. Um, only a lot more expensive. I prefer the urn, though. Yeah, I do. So. Yeah. Um, to, before I was talking about the match itself, what did you think about doing take this gimmick as a biker? Um, you know, I, I was nonplussed at it for the most part. Uh, I, as uh, more so then than now, I was very much a typical sort of reactionary in terms of... Right now, I'm more receptive to change, but back then, I was like, where's my where's my Undertaker with the urn and Paul Bearer? I mean, this this, this thing is new, and it frightens me. Yeah. So I was... But it, it grew on me. Um, I grew to like the last ride as a finisher. Um, he, he was involved in some good stories. Um, but overall, I still far preferred it when he was, you know, the uh, the zombie who... Who uh, had the urn and, and could hip up and do all this other stuff that just uh, belied um, believability? Yeah, I mean, with, I think it's I'm more the same kind of thing. It took, I could kind of see why they kind of did the back here because Undertaker uh, could become this really, really dark character and it might have been hard to, for them to dial it back a bit. And uh, without the Shadira, a bit like the swirls on the table, I think trying to make it a bit more. Uh, be more realistic in a, in, a, in a weird way. So perhaps that's probably why the main Undertaker with the biker gimmick. I think it does help that he went through uh, quite a lot of good matches. Um, he only had three WrestleMania matches 
Carter Biker, and the first two of this one they face Rick Fred next year, and those are really good matches. And then the and second... it also helps. This is really the first. I think that this was made in the first time they actually acknowledged he was under undefeated at WrestleMania, and also this was the first like good Undertaker WrestleMania match. I mean, yeah, yeah. the rest of them were either he was stiff on purpose. That was his gimmick. Um, the match versus Jake Roberts. If both of them were in their prime, would have been a lot better. But I mean, Green Undertaker versus uh, versus deteriorating Jake Roberts wasn't doing anything for anybody. And then matches with like guys like Sid and Giant Gonzalez weren't helping anybody either. No, yeah, pretty much. Just, uh, I don't really count seven because that's a qualified squash match. Um, mm-hmm. I like Day One a lot because um, a that's my first WWE event I ever watched, and b the wrestling might not be great, but um, having it does tell a really good story. Um, nine and eleven are just clusters. Um, Twelve isn't bad, and thirteen's that's that with that. I think the problem with that one is a it's Sid, and I'm not the biggest fan of Sid anyway. But the focus was not on them; it's more on Brett and Sean. And um, fourteen, it's I think it's, I don't think it's bad, but it's very it has a really big story, but it's a bit of a disappointing match to end it. And fifteen, it's just hell and cell match. I was just like, it's just there. To me, so it, it no, I'm, I'm kind of I do a couple of matches. I was like, oh god, I've got to go through this after you know, this podcast series. But now I'm getting through like the good bits of the street now, so it, it's been worth it. Um, so yeah, um, match, um, matches at uh, like Astrodome in Houston. Um, Triple Light comes out first, and it comes out to uh, British Band Mode Head playing his theme tune. Uh, that goes on for a good like three or four minutes. I, I try like that, you know, back to me being a big Triple H fan and all that stuff. Um, and this is where we kind of see a bit more musical uh, performance take place in WrestleMania. Um, Undertaker comes out, and I liked this entrance for them because you hear the bell, they hear the footsteps, and then you take Dead Man walking, and then he comes out to roll it by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> And um, I can't remember, I think he kept that song up until the end of his back again, didn't he? Yes. Um, yeah, I never really liked Roland as a theme song for him. I mean, uh, again, just a series of questionable decisions by Undertaker as the biker, but at the same time, American Badass was, it, it was decent. It fit him. But Roland was just, you know, let's hop on a music trend like... Uh, Three years after it was really cool. Yeah, um, I know Limp Bizkit provided the theme tune for this WrestleMania uh, yeah. as well. So I was trying. I know, and I think at WrestleMania 19, he does uh, Limp Bizkit does perform in that. Uh, so I, I've kind of thought it'd be like using bands kind of thing, but that never really happened. Um, Undertaker goes down his bike, um, goes around, drops it off, and one thing I totally forgot is that uh, you know. Triple H goes out of the ring and lets them take it go in. Or take it, like, does his fuck around here? Because pretty much he goes in and just goes after Triple H straight away and just starts throwing it on the outside. Um, I think he's, I think he's still angry over Triple H destroying his bike three days previously. Yeah, and this was a sort of a match where, um, the seeds were planted uh, a long time ago uh, with, yeah. um, his return at Judgment Day 2000. Uh, so I, I like when the match starts hot. Um, especially when the match went took the turns that it did, as you would see like later on. Yeah, it was. Um, so they start on the outside, 
Undertaker says Triple H through the replacement badge announced table because um, that had been destroyed by Shane McMahon two matches previously uh, when he took on Vince. Um, that's a go back and doing, and that's when the match actually starts. Uh, Triple H gets a chance to get some kicks in and they exchange punches. Uh, Triple H hits um, is jumping the attack, uh, but Taker goes straight back up. Um, so it's, it's kind of you know starts with a bit. The last two West, the last WrestleMania match with Bossman, that kind of starts with balls of the 14. So you kind of saw that trend now where they just start like beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess it bears noticing that that this is Undertaker's, uh, you know, last match was at 14. That Taker actually the Taker um wrestled at 15 against um. A 15 was that last match. I think he wrestled yeah, he Kane at 14. He played against Kane at 14 and Bossman at 15. Yeah, that was a wretched match. Really the only bad Hell in a Cell match ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, they start off uh, really hot, and uh, I guess no announced table was really safe at that show. No, especially, um, especially if you're Spanish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, breaking the table right away, I mean, it really signifies the hate in the match, and... Um, yeah, I think not too long after that. When do we get the the first ref bump? Because uh, uh, it's a few minutes after that. Yeah, I think the way this match is structured, how like they don't really give a give a crap about anything, and yeah. uh, referees go down, and then they brawl to the outside. It's it's very much like the perfect attitude era match. Yes. Only by the time they get to that match, the attitude era is kind of over. I mean, I don't know where the line of demarcation is, but they... Uh... Um, I think it's, it's officially this event because the Monday beforehand is when uh, Shane buys OCW. So you kind of have... Um, I think there's like characters in the attitude era and they put them up to kind of transition and then we're going to start the invasion angle, which is in June. Um, so people, a lot of people think this is like the end. No, Westminster 17 is the end of the studio and I think that's a good way to end it because I forgot how how stat this card is and also a lot of people generally believe this is like probably the best Wrestlemania that they've made so far and it's hard to argue against that yeah I, I think as, as a total card I mean Wrestlemania 3 had the match and the moment yeah and this card pretty much was loaded from top to bottom and it actually had a match that ended in a moment in the main event, yeah. I guess the, I guess when Steve Austin went heel, the Attitude Era truly ended. But uh, yeah, that's for, that's for another podcast altogether. Yeah. Yes, um, so back to the match. Taker starts to be dominant. Sends Triple H flying over his shoulders. Hits a power slam, but misses the elbow, and this gets Triple H a chance to um, get a couple of punches. But that doesn't last long. He gets hit by a clothesline. Um, Tate goes for the old school and the crowd goes nuts for it, but uh, Triple H ruins that by driving him sending off the top rope. Um, he hits in the net breaker for two. And yeah, it's, a slick, it's a slick counter and, uh, yeah. and and good psychology. You don't want to give away all your big spots in the beginning. And you sort of see the same thing with um, the big, the giant swing in the recent Cesaro uh, Cena match. Yeah. Um, where you got to earn the spot. Oh, yeah. So. I don't recall whether they actually do old school later on in the match, but I mean... Uh, no, they don't. That's the only time he, he goes for it, and then that's it. Yeah, I, I guess the only way it would have made the match better is if he actually would have hit it, so... 
yeah, I probably yeah, idea with that. Really good psychology, um, in in theory. And then again, this match didn't really need the old school, so no. Um, yeah, Triple H hits um, Stringer Netbreaker number two, and it does the thing which I always find it really annoying when um, they, they do the cover and go for two. So even oh no, I'll just press harder or hook the leg for the same thing. That's still two. Um, the, uh, Triple H is angry at the ref who has met Kyoto. Um, he pushes the ref and it's having a bit of an argument. Um, so Triple H goes back to the Undertaker who hits him in the stomach a few times and uppercut. And then um, Triple H does the, the face bustle. I love that movie now when he, he's like, got someone coming towards him and he to stop him and then hits him in the face with his knee. Yeah. The, yeah. Usually it's a, a setup to the, to the pedigree, but obviously they weren't going to do that that early in the match. No. Um, um, yeah, uh, Triple H goes for the, sledge, the sledgehammer, and I thought, whoa, hang on, this is not, this is not a stratification match, what are you doing? I remember, se- I remember thinking about that, because I didn't watch this match live, I watched it two days later, and obviously I wanted Triple H to win, but, you know, the yes. tri- and JR is, like, mentioning that he's, you know, Undertaker's undefeated, and this is, like, in Undertaker's hometown as well, so, no, with hindsight... Yeah, this was, before, this was before they sort of made a big deal out of the streak, but this was the first time they sort of made mention to it. And if I can have an aside, uh, Triple H's sledgehammer, it, it's the most unbelievable weapon, but also I think it fits the Triple H persona well because he's a megalomaniac who thinks... And, and, and this is my perspective coming as a Triple H hater. Um, so apologies to all the Triple H fans out there who may be listening. But uh, Triple H, the character, is sort of like a, a megalomaniac who thinks that nothing should be beneath him as a weapon. or yeah. not, Everything's possible for him because he's the chosen one or whatever. Yeah. And him using a sledgehammer, which would like murder, uh, legitimately be a murder weapon. Yes. It's it sort of like, it fits his hubris. So yeah. I guess I can appreciate it in sort of like a, a an ironic way. Yeah, I mean, with me and the sledgehammer, I mean, a lot of the time now it's like, you know, if you... It, 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 it's really hard to do because you've got to hit them in a way that you would never hit anyone because he just pretty much, he, later on the match he does use it, but normally he kind of um, puts his hand over the metal bit of the sledgehammer and then swings, so you, you kind of hit in his hand, worst case scenario. Um, yeah, which I guess is the only way you could believably do it, but at the same time, still, it's a... Yeah. I was saying in the video games, you could actually like do a, an over-the-head, sort of, an overhead sort of shot with it, which, again, would... Kill, kill, kill. Yeah, it's, it's like best case scenario, you have a burst of pen and hit the chest, otherwise, you are dead in this match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the referee stops him uh, and yanks it off him. Um, while he's doing that, Triple H goes, right, I'll just go for the pedigree. Uh, Taker stops it and Sting shots him into the referee who's in the corner. Um, I, I thought at that point, that's when he, because pretty much the referee goes on for like a good half, maybe two thirds of this match. I yeah. thought that was I thought that was a bump then, but it's not. It's like two seconds after this, because uh, yeah. Tigger is to choke Sam for two. Um, he doesn't take that well, <laughs> so he starts assaulting the referee. And I'm so I, I get you hate Triple H, but you're not really supposed to take on the ref because a you're the good guy, and b you might need him later on. Well, two things about that. One, good guy in the Attitude Era didn't really mean the same thing as good guy. Should mean and, and uh, it's been something to bemoan over the over the years because uh, WWE has 
evolved past the Attitude Era, but it hasn't evolved its definition of uh, alignment. Yeah. Um, so it really kind of makes sense that everyone's an anti-hero. And, and Undertaker, as a, as a biker, you don't really expect the biker to be a goody two-shoots. Uh, but um, yeah. it's a very convenient Deus Ex Machina, though. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so pretty much the referee's down. He's pretty much down for the next, like, five, ten minutes. Um, Undertaker sends Triple H flying over the top row, and that looked brutal. Yeah. Um, and then that would be back and forth, and then this would start going to the crowd, and then go into the production area. And yeah. like, for the this, is where, this is probably my favorite part of the match. Oh, um, yeah, it is. Where they're brawling in the, in the in the in the production area and area, and there are just some like, like great visuals where they're on the like the um the, the, the platform area and. Triple H is down on his knees, and Taker is just punching him, and they're, it's just, it's a very underrated WrestleMania moment, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's overshadowed by a few things, I think TLC2 is on this card, and um, obviously the Rock's, the Rock Austin um, infamous finish to that match, yeah. overshadows it, but I mean, this is just um, a classic brawling moment, I think this is what um, happens when the, the the vision of a crash TV and the attitude era sort of intersects with the height of artistry, and yeah. uh, it's why one of the reasons why X Seven is the, is the best ever in yeah, terms of mania. Yes, yeah, so I mean um, it's it's one of the you always had that you always had TL, the right TLC two the way that the spots had that, um, and also you had. Um, to give it back to Will, which I try to enjoy more because that's, that's Bobby, that Bobby Hino's on commentary. Yeah. Um, that was I, really fun too. They, they, Shiki won that one, right? Yeah, he did. He beat Hillbilly Jim. I remember iOS was in it. I'm, I was kind of, I was like, quite like iOS when I first started because that was when they were in That was a great, great, great palate cleanser. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because um, I think that was after the, yeah, I think it was before this match, and that's just after the Shea match. Um, yeah. And also, you had that. No, that might be too. And we'll go back to the Battle World very briefly. I just love the end of it because uh, Medine and Bobby Heenan are on commentary and um, Medine offers his hand, but Heenan's like, he's finding reason not to shake the hand. It's like he's, be, he's been just trying to something in the wing or he's trying to speak to someone, that kind of thing. And that always, made, that always kind of made me laugh slightly. And it's a bit, I didn't really, it's a bit weird now because that's the last time you hear him commentate as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, always love Heenan. It's a shame that uh, that Heenan is the way he is, but you know, yeah. that's life, man. Yes, it is. Um, so at this point, in the in the one of the production area, um, Travis hits a steel chair and proceeds to he hits him you know, in the stomach, the back, and the head, and then proceeds to just beat the crap out of Taker with the chair when Taker's like on the floor. It's like something like 10, 15 chair shots just continuously. Yeah, he, um. It's basically from the, from the point of time where uh, they spam chair shots. Yeah. Um, and I like to say this is the first time. This is the only time we get to see a Triple H Undertaker match where there's an unprotected chair shot to the head. Yeah. But they kind of do that in their WrestleMania 26 or tw- is it 27 it's match. It's 27 and match. I keep getting the, the later ones mixed up. I'm, time is just sort of like bunched up now, even though I'm, this is like sort of my best age as a wrestling fan, so even I, my old brain can't process information the way it used to. I don't worry about that. Um, yeah, so, and then 
take a uh, my skin up and choke slam Triple H over the scaffolding. And when I, I remember seeing that for the first time, I had my heart in my mouth when I saw that. I was like, okay, he's he seriously hurt here. Uh, but luckily, or conveniently, um, there was some padding went next to him and he fell onto that. But it, it, looked, it was a really good video. You put it to camera, you just see just Triple H just disappear. <laughs> I, 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 I was like, oh my God, what happened to him? Um, and I, that, I think that's a great moment as well in the match. Yeah. Uh, anytime you can get, can get a great camera angle, yeah. When uh, when you um, just have it, uh, whenever someone just disappears out of out of nowhere, it's you you got yourself good production. Yeah, um, it's so great video. I mean, the crowd the crowd are going nuts for it. Um, there's like six or seven thousand people in this crowd, and pretty much um, Frank Lauder was like in this area just watching the match. Um, then like pretty much up and close, oh, up close and personal with the match as well. Um, Triple H is um, sorry, we call them paramedics in the UK, but you call them EMTs. Um, he's not one of them is looking at Triple H, and Undertaker kind of makes um, it you know, slightly worse on Triple H by doing a flying elbow of the scaffolding. Um, and then he attacks the EMT to stop beating the Triple H again. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, still, still this whole like you're you do bad stuff, you know, you're a good guy kind of thing. Yeah, if you're uh, um, if if you're a sort of an ancillary. Worker in WWE in a WWE arena, whether the EMT or a security guard, um, your life is in danger. <laughs> yeah. So just don't do your job unless the area is clear of everybody except for the guy that you are treating. Yeah, and you know, don't don't trust anyone. Don't even the referee. Just make sure everyone's like out of there. Um, yeah, so the fight goes back in the trial and eventually back into the ring. Um, the referee is still down at this point. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because uh, the I get he sorted him, but they got him was... good. If if here, here's the thing, if it was Hebner, um, I think Hebner would have hit a finisher on Triple H when he first started the shenanigans. There are a lot of well documented spots where Triple H, um, sort of harasses Hebner and Hebner just shoves him out and out. Yeah, it's a great sort of um recurring thing that we're never going to get anymore because Hebner's probably never going to work for WWE again. But no, he's not. Again, that, that's, that's life. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because I know um, Triple H like treats Hebner uh, like shit the previous year. Because that's, that's like going through the McMahon Helmsley era, um, and obviously uh, Hebner's referee the main event, so can't referee too much as him as well. Um, yeah, so when he gets the hammer, uh, Triple H pleads with him not to use it, but he managed to stop it by hitting a low blow. Um, so he drops the sledgehammer, goes, I take it with it, we get hit by it. Big boot instead. Um, the exchange punches. Um, I triple it gold for the tombstone, where it's reversed to tombstone by Taker. And you think about the match is over. Um, I thought problem- the tombstone, by the way, because the uh, we hadn't seen it for a while. I thought we were never going to see it again. That was, that's one of my personal uh, favorite finishers in wrestling history. So, and yeah. Taker does it. It fits him so well, where he just he he grabs you, grabs you. It looks like he's just going to snip your grundle, and then he. Uh, just goes down ominously, and it's yeah. it's a wonderful visual. It is. Um, so you're thinking, like, okay, he's uh, he's won this, uh, but no, because the referee is still down. And um, I'm not even mentioning about the commentary about this um, because uh, well, it's, it's JR and uh, Paul Heyman, and I loved Paul Heyman on commentary. I thought I thought it was really good. Um, in, in this match itself, it doesn't do, do anything that stand out. But one thing I noticed that JR says that. Um, 
will take an account to free 33 or tomorrow because pretty much it's just emphasizing that you know this match should would be over if the referee was there yeah uh, i i i'm kind of a contrarian on him i i think him and uh jr as a team uh, because they, they felt too adversarial i grew up on on gorilla and monsoon or vincent and 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 jesse and um both those teams, they, they they didn't necessarily agree with each other all the time, but yeah. they didn't really hate each other. Yeah, like sure. I was watching watching Royal Rumble '88 uh, yesterday um, on the network, yeah. and uh, like Jesse and Vince uh, disagreed a lot, but they were always like polite with each other. Yeah, and, and more than that, Monsoon and, and and Heenan would always be very friendly with each other. They, they weren't, like, disagreeing, so... Yeah, I think with that one, he was kind of more, like, make, doing a laugh. Yeah, there, were, there were brothers who, who disagreed. Sometimes got heated, but they never... You never got the enmity, and, and Heyman and JR... Um, felt like they hated each other. I didn't like that. Yeah, I mean, it's trickle with Gwyneth and Heenan. You know, you know why he's going to roll? I, mean, I think the closest you get to it is after the Flair Savage match in WrestleMania 8 because obviously like, Flair, because Heenan's like, it's aligned with Flair and Perfect and they're not happy that, even though they, they cheated for the whole match, uh, they're not happy that Savage, well, cheated to win the match. And, um, and then just, Heenan just goes as this massive tirade and also then like, Gwyneth's going, well, you, you got cheated as well. And like, doesn't matter, you know, Savage will cheat. And then it starts, like, going really hysterical. And Gwyneth's, like, going, are, are you okay? <laughs> you know, just making sure he's all right kind of thing. So that bit always makes me laugh as well. And that's probably why I like WrestleMania 8, because 8 is the first event I saw. And also it's just a commentary that is really good and really made me laugh in that. Um, so, yeah, back, back to the match. Um, Undertaker decides to um, wake the referee up and hope he doesn't disqualify him. Um but uh, the referee starts to recover. Um, Taker goes for the last ride, but um, Triple H managed to pick up the sledgehammer. He's taken ahead of it. Yeah, that uh, was a great visual. Oh, uh, I love that a moment. Great, great visual. Yeah, because um, I kind of saw it coming because you see, kind of see Triple H just move the no sledgehammer in position so he can pick it up. And then when he pulls it, he's like, he's got a sledgehammer, he's going to hit him with it. Um, so, yeah, so the. That's when the referee now properly comes to. Uh, Triple H does cover, uh, but Taker kicks off pretty much like 2.8. And yeah. uh, Triple H is livid. He's angry. He can't believe it. He's, just, like, he's banging his fist on the uh, on the mat. He, he can't believe that. He thought the match was won and he just missed out. Um, Undertaker is obviously busted open because you will be getting, well, your head will be more caved in. But, um, you know, he's obviously been hit in the head with a sledgehammer, so, you know, you're going to see some kind of blood in there. Um, yeah, we get we get uh, sort of a a return momentarily of the zombie taker. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Triple H has got him in the corner, starts punching him, and uh, as you can saw, he stands in the uh, second, you know, the second row. You know, like you would do, you do the ten punches thing that that that's people wrestlers did. Um, but sort of like beating onto him. Um, that turned out to be a bad idea because Undertaker. Um, Grabs, grabs him and hits the last wide and gets the victory. And that's the end of the match. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Prima Taker celebrates and gets in the bike and rides away. 
I don't think it's a wise idea riding a bike if you're bleeding from the head, but he doesn't have all the travel, so it's all right. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a, once again, just to sort of wrap it up, I thought this was uh, better by far than, than both of their uh, more recent matches. And the shame part is it's sort of like, you called it a trilogy at the beginning, but yeah. WWE doesn't treat it as such, and it's a shame. Yeah, that's weird. Um, it's, it's a shame. Uh, this this match is definitely one of the, the finest in WrestleMania history, and yeah. uh, it just sort of was a fitting adieu to, uh, part of a fitting adieu to the Attitude Era in general. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, I don't get why, especially when there was the WrestleMania 27 match, and, I, and with that match I loved at the time, now not so much. And that kind of did that kind of showed it's just kind of like masturbation fest because the challenges show right then. You see videos, all these superstars like praising them and all that stuff, but it, they never mention it. I don't think even the commentators mention it at that time. Yeah. And then you get the the rematch, rematch, Westman Twenty Eight, and that's probably that person that's my favorite of the three. Um, more for Shawn Michaels being the referee because I, I like the story that he told in, in that match. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, pretty much afterwards, um, after the event, um, Triple H, who plotted to get the uh, Stone Cold triples for a year by winning them over, uh, also began with Keith to win them over, um, aligns with him and they go through the whole two man power trip, um, and a feud with Undertaker and Kane during that bit, and yeah. then uh, Triple H has a an Intercontinental Championship feud with Jeff Hardy for a bit, and then he. They win the tag titles, he tears yeah. his quad, yeah, the whole thing gets scrapped, and then it's the, the invasion time. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. I mean, um, I remember watching, I actually watched the match where he tears his quad live, and that kind of really kind of set in stone me as a Triple H fan, because um, I play, I don't even just wear this, but I play with Union, but I've had times where I've been, like, busted open, but so carried on, I've just not noticed, so... Obviously, that's not as bad as getting your quad torn off. Yeah. Or, um, just even even because of his injury, it, it didn't look like anything. He, just, he went over, he just stepped and stopped a, a pinfall, and that just did enough to him to tear his tendons and his leg to go flying up his no, his muscles go flying up his leg. So, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I get people being privileged haters. Um, and free for the, the dream of this because I know you're hating yourself. But I think that's more because the politicking involved and not actually is, is actual Western ability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so, uh, Tom, uh, where can we find you on the internet? Well, uh, you can find me on, first on Twitter at T Holzerman. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm a Twitter uh, addict. But in terms of <clears throat> um, writing, find me at or wallsofjericholic.blogspot.com or search Google or Facebook for The Wrestling Blog. I update a whole bunch every day. I have a pretty cool staff that updates as well. So uh, we cover everything. So yeah. check it out more than once a day. Yeah, so Put in I'm, your RSS. Read it, yeah. comment it, love it, link it. Yeah. Are you still doing the wrestling podcast as well, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, for the time being. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll more um, on that later. Yeah. Um, as for me, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Lowdown Wrestling, all one word. Uh, my website is lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com. Um, looking pretty much at the minute for more pay per view reviews and obviously this uh, project. Um, 
I can't recall in the next pay-per-view I'll be reviewing would be TNA Lockdown, which um, I, I'm not watching a four months, so I have to like, quickly get back into that. Um, so I'm going to do the uh, review for that. Um, so, Tom, thank you very much once again for being on the show. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, thank you guys for listening, and join us next time when Sawyer Paul returns to the podcast, and we'll be discussing um, Undertaker's match at Westminster 18 when it takes on Ric Flair. So thanks again, and take care.